Alright, it's the uh, the Chance of Gaming podcast. And uh, I've been I think on... someone slipped something in my drink. I've been on, I've been on <laughs> my kit. Have you been roofied? I think so. Based, based solely on the music that I'm hearing. I, uh, I've been on spring break with my kid, and it's been all K-pop all week. So, so there you go. And uh, yeah, it's been a thing. And I, I have to say that uh, apparently K-pop is... The way they release their albums is kind of like a CCG, only uh, instead of uh, like crappy lands or commons, you get CDs. It it's kills me. Okay, you know how nobody does physical media anymore. Um, my kid's buying like multiple copies of this album just to get like the pictures and extra inserts. Doesn't even listen to the CDs that come with it. She just listens to them off Spotify. So, you know, it's yeah. To, to get the chase insert, K-pop is more about the visuals than the audio. I, 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 I don't know. It's I mean, there's some real catchy <laughs> stuff I have to say, and um, I guess before I introduce you guys, I should say what episode number this is. So hopefully this will work too. So here it comes. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? Sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. <laughs> So, nice. There we go. That's episode 69. And with me always is Richard and Roy. Hey, everyone. This is Rich. I am enjoying the uh, new intro. <laughs> and this is Roy from Holland, Michigan. And I'm currently doing this on my phone because my computer's being a bitch. Hmm. And I understand <laughs> in Holland, Michigan, there's no cornmeal, there's no grits. There. There, well, you know, the one place I didn't look was in the breakfast cereal aisle. So maybe. I don't know. But that was pretty annoyed. I was trying to find grits today and coming up uh, and no cornmeal either. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if that's a seasonal thing or what. But I was I was bereft of grits. Well, I went to Walmart and I, I got you some and I'll send them to you this week so you, you can have some, some grits. <laughs> You know, oh no, that's quite all right. Thing. No, no, it's great. I'm happy to <laughs> got you some grits and some regular cornmeal. That's it's oh. not the mix too, so you can make okay. cornbread, whatever you want to make. Of course, uh, uh, living down south, way deep south, I my favorite cornbread is is fucking Jiffy. I I want my cornbread to be one molecule away from cake. That's <laughs> that's, that's how I prefer my cornbread. Have you ever made cornbread in like an iron skillet? Oh yeah, that's that's how that's, you, that's how you stuff. make it. That is. You yeah. ever, do you All put right. do you ever put creamed corn in your cornbread, Adam? Uh yeah. I, we they call. I that. don't always do it that way, but that is I do like it that way. I've done that. Makes it nice and moist, right? Yeah. And like mm-hmm. I, have, I have a really good recipe for a tamale pie that actually uses. Oh yeah. That actually mm-hmm. uses cornbread. And, Back uh, in my heftier days, I used to eat that a lot. <laughs> now, see, I grew up in southeast Iowa to people that were from northern Missouri. And so one of the things that I grew up with was mush. Do you guys are, have you heard of mush? No. What is so that? It, it's, it's boiled no. cornmeal. And then it's so you, you pour this, uh, uh, you boil the cornmeal and you pour it into a loaf pan and refrigerate it. So that it, it gets sounds like, like somebody's uh, just trying to hide that they're making moonshine <laughs> well it could be i don't know <laughs> but so like you you uh you chill it and then and then you can slice this congealed uh cornmeal and fry <laughs> Congealed it. is never a word i want to hear oh, at dinner 
<laughs> that is weird. So that's I remember eating that growing up. How does it taste it's, though? Well, like a really dense cornbread. Okay. I guess. All right. And so we'd eat it fried with uh, maybe some maple syrup or some honey or something on it. Interesting. You make anything taste good if you fry it and put honey on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I grew up with grits too. <laughs> but that was that was kind of the the side dish for breakfast that you'd eat with uh, uh, butter and salt and pepper. Interesting. Well, uh, I never got adventurous like they have down in in Louisiana. <laughs> oh yeah, it killed me. The picture of the southern uh, uh, southern section at Aldi you sent me is mostly uh, <laughs> it's Cafe Du Monde and Tony Chatteries. <laughs> yep, and I'm there like, was some kind of a beignet mix there too that uh, I was looking at. Oh yeah, it's Cafe Du Monde, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. It, should you ever find yourself in New Orleans, try them. I I went there once. It was it was everything I could have hoped for. It was really good. It was like, it was cold that day. It was I mean it was it was January anyway, but it was cold even for New Orleans. So it was like right around freezing. But oh, the wow. line was down the block. We ate in a tent, and it was amazing. It was so good. You see a lot of the Zatarains mixes around here too. Uh, yeah, uh, that's probably not authentic uh, uh, Cajun, though. And oh well, speaking of, I was surprised that you guys have Popeyes up there. Oh yeah, we definitely have Popeyes here. Yeah, that's I a don't. good place to well, go to get a good chicken sandwich and possibly get shot. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that it was just a Southern chain, and uh, yeah, my kids live. Uh, my youngest kid lives in Wisconsin, and she was like, yeah, they, we have Popeyes here. And I'm like, what? Really? I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's just a million yeah. times. Popeyes is probably the spiciest chain chicken you can get here, which is why people like it. Hmm. <laughs> I get that. So, uh, SiegeVicksburg.org is going along pretty well. My convention I'm putting on in October. I continue to get sponsors and whatnot. But, yes, I need people to, like, register for it. That would be super cool. So not only can I pay for it, um, I can also get a better idea of if I need to increase size. So there's that. It'll be siegeofvicksburg.org in the show notes. And there you go. So, uh, Rich, you are halfway through Season 4 of The Expanse. Yeah, we're plodding along. I'm actually going to get disappointed when I finally catch up with the where the show actually is and won't have it to watch as much as I want anymore. We're, we're enjoying it, yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to think, what was the last season? Was it five? I think it's five. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, last as in the final season? Just the last most, one. Most recent, oh, okay. yeah. Yep. Although, and apparently, um, I think... The sixth season will be it, because as I understand it, um, uh, in the source material, there's some kind of time jump, maybe, or something. Not as a plot point or anything, it's just, well, it's like the one of the books at some point, just like, you know, it's like 40 years later, you know, and here you go. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, No, we're liking it. We're enjoying that. We're watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. Which is, it's good. I mean, it's it's not groundbreaking or anything, but it's entertaining. Um, it's interesting, though. I don't, I don't know if you guys have been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the show is more like, it's more about Captain America than it is anyone else, and he's not he's not in the show at all. It's basically well, he's how the everyone is. What? He's the A-lister. Well, he's like, I mean, he's the one that, 
you know, when I say Captain America, I talk about Steve Rogers, it's it's basically how they're all dealing with him not being there anymore. So like replacing him and it's good though. I'm enjoying it. Okay. I I absolutely am. I am loving it way more than I ever thought I would. It's just uh first it was like I just like the banter between them. And yeah. you know, they're in therapy, like, you know, uh uh, uh marriage counseling kind of thing. And then it became this whole question of what does it mean to, you know, to be Captain America, you know, and all this. And you gave up the shield and, oh, I didn't give it up and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so just fascinating to me. Plus, I got into Captain America comic books as a kid. And so I know, like, who, you know, how big the power broker, you know, and all these people that are in. Plus, oh, my gosh, Rich. Zemo is like the greatest thing ever in there. <laughs> you enjoy him? Yes, he's fantastic. Uh man, absolutely fantastic. And of course that goes to what's his name who plays him, but uh yeah, it's yeah. just great. Like when it went So yeah. Oh, I was just uh, I was just going to say that I've taken it upon myself to kind of wade through the uh the MCU films trying to understand the draw of WandaVision because everybody says it's great and I and and I said before, I'm a little bit out of the loop as far as that. So I've started watching them. So I actually know about the Winter Soldier. Um, mm-hmm. So is uh, is that from the the comic book lore too? Uh, the Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, that he's he's Bucky. Yeah, they brought back okay. Bucky Barnes. I was in. <clears throat> Gosh, it seems like college. One of my attempts at college, or one degree or another, at some point. Anyway, when they did that, and there was a professor there who actually taught a class on graphic novels, and uh, oh. he was super excited, but a little cautious of it. He was like, "Man, I, you know, I don't know." It's like for the longest time, you had like the holy trinity of people that they would never bring back from the dead. And that was like Bucky, that was um, Jason Todd from uh, ba- the second Robin in Batman, and uh, the other one was oh Uncle Ben from uh, oh yeah, yeah that makes sense <laughs> and like as far as I know two out of three of those have been brought back at this point so I don't I don't think Uncle Ben has come back but you know everybody else certainly has well we do have. Uh... We have Spider-Man into the multiverse, so there are universes in which Uncle Ben did not die. So, true. There you go. I'm sure there's one where he is Spider-Man. <clears throat> yeah, probably. I mean, come on, because they made you know they did Spider Gwen, who's actually I think it's called Silk. I think where you know uh, it bit Gwen Stacy instead of Peter Parker. And, right. Yeah. So. And yeah, and, and Peter died instead of Uncle Ben in that one. Yes, and so just uh, just oh. kind of you know. And uh, but okay, Roy, you actually haven't watched all of the Marvel movies before. I've I've seen them here and there. So I've seen um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm watching it again. So as far as if you go into Disney Plus, it and it really does a good job of breaking down. These are the Phase One films in order. These are yeah. the Phase Two films in order. So I'm up to um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I, let's say I've already seen. As a standalone um, film, that is my favorite in the entire series. Is ah. which, which one? It's Guardians Guard- of the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh yeah, the first one's. And just like as a standalone <clears throat> film. Yeah, and I just love it. So, I realize I'm still not a comics guy because, like, I was watching um, 
the Winter Soldier, and there's some of the dialogue just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It just, <laughs> I don't know, this is dumb. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get hate for that, but whatever. Um, and it's, I don't know, there's, I'm just, it's not my audience, I guess, or I'm not the audience for it. Um, but, well, uh, I'm, I am bashing you on Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, okay. He said, "Don't at me." You know. <laughs> uh, I welcome your hate. I, which, uh, when I picked up my kid uh, a week ago, I, we had like three hours to talk, and that was like part of it. Is uh, I was going through the Marvel movies because she hasn't watched them all yet, and I was like, technically, the very first Marvel movie, can can uh, canon Marvel movie was Ed Norton's The Hulk. Right. And uh, she's like, really? It was like, I haven't even heard of that one. And I'm like, well, it's a different... Is that the the same director that did uh, Brokeback Mountain? I can't think what his name ah. was. Ang, Ang Lee, I think? No, no, no. Yes. Ang, yep. No, Ang Lee... Or yeah. did Ang Lee did the, the older one? Ang Lee did the one before that one. Oh, okay. And the one that had the With Hulk With Eric dogs. Bana. Yes. Okay. Which had the Hulk <clears throat> dogs, which I thought was just really interesting, but... Uh, it was, uh, let's see, it was that, and I actually did a selective rewatch of them recently, and there are ones I just skip, like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I'm gonna skip that every time. Thor uh, Dark World? Yeah, I'll skip that every time. My personal favorite would be, um, the third Thor movie. Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, I, that's, I that's a it. good one. It's just absolutely fantastic that's probably the one that we watch the most just because my kids especially love it so much that like anytime we just want to see something that we've already seen that's entertaining <laughs> we'll watch ragnarok so what's the what's the hate on on dark world it's well it's just different it 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 literally is darker <laughs> not only in tone but the way they shot it and everything and it's just oh. not that interesting to me you know, okay. it, it kind of continues the um, the uh, Asgard kind of background with uh, oh, these are the dark elves, you know, from this, mm -hmm. that, and the other, and just eh, so I just didn't like it. The head dark elf Malakith. I I was watching this. I'm like, gosh, that voice is so familiar. Who is that? I couldn't think of who it was. It's um, Christopher Eccleston, the the first of the new series of Doctors. Oh. Huh. Mm. Interesting. And he was the what the Invisible Man from uh, Heroes. Uh, oh, uh, that also reminds. Really? Me. Yeah. I don't remember him being in Heroes. So you're talking about the TV show, right? Right. Yep. My best friend from high school was in that show. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. As like a, a recurring role, or? Yeah, for the first season, he actually had quite an issue there was a and he wrote an article about some of the problems he had oh, on the set and everything but he I was know. the guy that could walk through walls i know who you're talking about yep um, <laughs> although rich i couldn't think of her name he I, was he was he was a uh, ali larder yep was her name yeah his name is leonard roberts and he they had a lot of trouble on the set and leonard basically left that show with a really bad taste in his mouth oh it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. It's not 
Allie Larder was what I was thinking of. I was gonna say. Well, she's the one that played his wife. I thought oh, that's who you okay. meant. No, no, no. I I was gonna say Rich. Your bet. Your bet. You were best friends with Hayden Pantier. <laughs> no, yeah. I think not. Okay. So, anyway. So uh, I also she's see... got to be like thirty years younger than me. <laughs> well, still, you know, you can have maybe <laughs> you're you're the father figure she needed in her life. I don't know. Um, I make it a rule to not be friends with teenage girls. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it has gotten me thus far, and will continue. Yeah, probably that good, raises probably. some questions. Um, but who put Mythic Quest on here? Uh, no, it was kind of you and I. I think. Okay, I did not specifically put it on there. I just wanted to know from if, a previous. if anyone had actually watched it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've okay. seen about three episodes, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, just yeah, love that. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I keep seeing, because uh, I was watching, finishing up uh, or catching up with uh, For All Mankind, and they, they run promos for it. I'm like, ah, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. It was super good. So, anyway. I, I just today got current with For All Mankind. Um, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Do we start World War Three? or not, you know, we'll see. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, the you guys seen the Russian Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I've heard I've about it. I've seen just, like, clips of it to see how ridiculous it is. <laughs> that I... reminds me, though. Have you read The Last Ring Bearer? Either, either of you? No. Uh, boy, it rings a bell, but I cannot Fascinating think of what it book. is. Fascinating book fascinating yeah. book um i'm pretty sure if you look around on the internet you can find it as a free pdf um right. but it's it's let's say it's the the universe of lord of the rings told from the perspective of an orc and it happens like i can't remember the exact timeline because it's been a while it might be it happens like right after the ring was destroyed or maybe i don't know it's it's really good i mean it's 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 written by a russian guy and you can just you can just sort of feel the background of the U.S. and Russian conflict in this book because it's like the Russians are saying everything that the other – or the Russians, the orcs are saying everything that the other side is telling you is a lie and is manipulating you, and this is the real truth. So it's really good. I would highly recommend it. I think it's called The Last Ring Bearer. It reminds me of – you remember when Harry Potter was super popular? Apparently in yeah, like today. <laughs> um, well, it's lost a little bit of his of its shine, so thanks to comments that she's made. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, and uh, in China, apparently they didn't have time for her to like write the next book, or, or you know, this somewhere in the middle of the series, there were like two or three unofficial Chinese books written. Like it, just because it was this huge bestseller, and uh, they weren't, uh, yeah, gonna wait on her to finish the next book when you know they could just do it themselves. And yeah, I just thought that was funny. I wonder if they've ever been published in English and like what they do and whatnot. But yes, there are some unofficial. I mean, I guess technically that is uh, what do the kids call that? Uh, where you write your own thing about. Uh, fantasy characters or whatever it's called. Fan fiction? Fan fiction, oh. yes! That's what I was trying to think of. Fan <laughs> fiction. I almost said slash fiction, but that is something else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there you go. Just kind of neat. 
Ah, so, um, I have been watching Invincible on That's Prime. on Amazon Prime, right? Yep. yep. I was a big fan of the comic book, and uh, I'm really interested, excited to see it actually uh, just watch it. Because I've been following this for like two or three years now for it to happen, and just loved it. Is it worth seeing if I know nothing about this? Yeah, it's a really cool story. Okay. It's, I mean, essentially, and this isn't a spoiler because you'll you'll learn this in the very first episode. It's basically you got Superman and say Superboy. That's like his son. Say Superboy is Superman's son, and uh, come to find out, well, Superman is just kind of a um, advanced scout for some aliens that want to conquer, for like if the Kryptonians wanted to conquer um, uh, the world, to conquer Earth. And then Superboy finds out about it and doesn't isn't interested because, hey, he just got a girlfriend. Um, so there you go. So essentially he's like a, a mole? Yes. So it's like deep cover kind of thing? Sort of, yeah, because he comes in. Okay. And, like, you know, he makes friends with all the other heroes and stuff, and they run around and they fight crime. And he met Superboy's mom, and they got married, and they had a kid. And he's been spending this entire time waiting to see if and when Superboy will develop powers. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens, he starts putting, you know, starts putting things into uh, production for this uh, invasion. So, just interesting. Hmm. And I'm saying this, you know, I I like it and all this, and my friend was like, oh, well, if you think that's cool, and if you think that turns the Superman whatever on its head, check out Mark Wade's Irredeemable. Uh, It's a comic, and sure enough, I did. And I finished reading, it's like a 37-issue run. Um, I finished reading it last night, and yeah, wow. Oof, that It's pretty tough. It's basically Superman just decides, fuck all you guys. It, you know, it's, basi- <laughs> it's basically it. It's basically that he's like, I'm tired of being constantly asked to save you. You know, I'm tired of it. And instead of just giving up and flying away, he just starts killing people. He, uh, <laughs> he like, like his version, Metropolis, they call it Sky City. He, so in other words, next season on Amazon, The Boys. Uh, maybe. It's, um, <laughs> the very first thing he does is basically destroy whatever Metropolis would be. You know, it's called Sky City there. And like, um, like the UN decides to um to surrender to him and he can't stand that people are afraid of him and uh the representative for singapore speaks up and says you know we'll give you this whatever whatever you can have it you know we'll worship you whatever you want and he he can listen to their heartbeat and tell that it's out of fear so he gets mad and he sinks uh singapore into the ocean so at this point, he's killed like million, hundreds of millions of people. He's just killed, and so yeah, it's very, very interesting because he kills his ex, his his team, the JLA. Like the very first thing he does in the very first 
page of the first issue is kill their version of Batman. So, yeah. Really, really interesting. Really, really good read. It's published by Boom Comics. So, there you go. So, Roy, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? Well, so I, um, on Friday, we had our first uh, in-person game night with uh, one of the couple. Um, So, I am almost two weeks vaccinated from the first dose. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm probably good enough. Although... West Michigan is right up there for uh, for COVID. Yeah, um, you guys are having a rough time up there. Yeah. But uh, so we played uh, Marble Champions, which I had uh, gotten recently from the game store. And Rich, I believe you've played this before, right? I have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, the, the base set comes with Black Panther, uh, She-Hulk. Captain America and Spider-Man. Cap- Captain Marvel and Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. That's right. Captain Marvel. And then, you, of course, you could. it's a living card game, so you can buy extra decks and extra villains and everything. Um, and it's a co-op game. So we've uh, we've been beating up on Rhino constantly. He keeps trying <laughs> to uh, break into the bank, and we keep stopping him, which we need to figure out how to, how to put in some other uh, villains or make him harder or something, because we, we haven't lost yet. Oh, you're doing well, then. I think if you... If- the first thing you can do is just play him on, I think, like on tough mode, which basically just like, I think instead of the one and two card, you play the two and three card. Right, so that's yep. like the, the quickest little difficulty bump. And then there's two more villains in the starter set. I know one is all, I think Ultron. it's Ultron. Yep. I can't remember who the third one is, but. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. And like you said, there's lots more for sale, including some like whole new campaigns like Rise of the Red Skull, which I haven't played or anything. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was eyeballing the Doctor Strange deck, so I, we may end up picking that up at some point. Yeah, I've got a few extra decks, but I haven't really played with any of them yet. So, so that's, do you own Marvel Champions? I do. Yeah. Okay. And and some of the extra heroes, um, but haven't played it as much as I wanted to. It's it's one of those games that um, I, my little one, who's she's eleven now, she kind of had a bad experience with it the first time we played. Like she was just tired and cranky that day or something so now every time it comes up she kind of rolls her eyes and she you know how you, you get that first bad experience i think she would like it but we'll just yeah. have to find the right day to do it you beat mm-hmm. her didn't you rich you did not let no her, it's you, you it's, didn't let it's her a win. co-op it's a co-op game so we all lost together ah. you you blamed her for the loss didn't you Sort of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was it was actually her turn, and she went to the bathroom. When she came back, we were all dead. So, <gasps> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that happened. I can't remember the details, but that happened like with that game a couple times, and then there was another co-op game we played where it also happened. It became a running joke for a while that every time she went to the bathroom, we all died. It's like in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> So, yeah, we've played uh, maybe four or five games of that. And then uh, another new game that we have is called Dice Hospital, which is a worker placement game where you um, it plays over eight rounds. So you have this hospital that you're managing, and you have three nurses that you send out to various rooms to do things. So, like, to begin the round, you roll... Uh, the, you roll a, a quantity of dice. So in a two-player game, you're rolling nine dice and split that up into three groups. And it, it goes up from two to five. So you re-roll any ones and sixes. 
And so these are patients that come into your hospital. Um, the, um, if a die is at a one, it's just about ready to die. If it's at a six, it's about ready to be discharged. So the two through five go into your hospital and then you send your um, nurses out to, to heal them in, in some manner. So like there's some, um, the, the cardiac care suite uh, treats red dice. So like if you, if you bring in a number five die um, and then you, you send it to this cardiac suite, you can roll it up to a six. And then once you can roll it up to a seven, it goes to the discharge suite and you get points for every turn that you uh, discharge a number of dice based on however many you're doing. But you're also recruiting and building extra rooms onto your hospital, which uh, will um, maybe heal more dice if you send a nurse there. And then also you can hire specialists, which like so like the hematologist, if you uh, recruit them, you can say like, you can heal a yellow dye and then heal another yellow dye. Or the triage nurse, you can heal a dye and then heal two other dice that are anywhere from one to three. So for any dye that you don't treat, they get sicker over the course of the, or over the round. So like, if you do nothing to them, if you neglect them in the, uh, in the game terms, then they get sicker. And so every turn, you're bringing in three more patients. Well, you only have space for 12. So if all of your beds are full, you have to turn those, those patients away, and that's negative points because you've essentially killed them because you haven't given them the care that they needed. Um, so that's a dice hospital. Well, Roy, it's, it's kind of a worker placement game. Roy, I'm dying to know, will there be a dice hospital American edition? Like, well, <laughs> like where you're turning people away because they didn't meet their deductible, you know, you're like, well, you have to collect, you know, I have to seize this person's house so they can pay their bill. And yeah, you know, well, this is ironically a British game. Um, so it seems kind of a little bit weird that like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you get a little bit sicker so that you can stay in the hospital longer. I can suck some more money out of, out of you. It's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> Oh yeah, especially um, if you're dying, it's like your the entire plan is to take as much money as possible, you know, from them. So, right. Yeah. And then stick the survivors with the bill. Yeah, yeah. And it just yeah, goes but to it is gamify anything. <laughs> it is a British game, so I would imagine that the American version would be much more brutal. Mm-hmm. Completely. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, was I forget what the guy's name was. He was a representative for Florida. And he said, here's the Republican plan, uh, Matt, healthcare Matt plan. Gantz, the, the guy no, that's... I don't think that's who he's talking about. Okay. No, 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 the other one. Uh, shoot, I can't think of what his name is. Ellison? Something I think I know like who that. you're talking about, yeah. He says, here's the Republican plan. Don't get sick. And if you do get sick, die quick. Yes. <laughs> yep. That is it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking about Matt Gates earlier that... Uh, yeah, the less said about him, the better, I guess. So then I've been playing Villainous. Going back um, to my not being friends with teenage girls policy. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, and I had, uh, last time around, I talked to you, Adam, about playing the, uh, do you remember Winger, the band Winger? Absolutely. And they had this song called 17. Yes. And the, oh, yeah. And the, the lyric goes, I'm only 17. I, 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 was, I thought that's, you know, 
who would have thought that a winger song would become relevant again <laughs> 20 years later? Um, but moving on. No, 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 uh, I've been on. playing. Don't move on yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Adam wants to delay. He wants to get on this for a while. <laughs> we, we have production value now. It's increased. Oh, all right. And so, yeah. <laughs> so it takes a long time to get to the, uh, to the chorus of this song. Okay, so I can skip forward like this. There. Was that close? Oh, I, I don't swear know. this isn't even Kip Wink. I don't know what we hit there, man. Maybe he stepped on his toe. <laughs> this is where editing would be helpful. Okay, forget it. We tried. It's not my fault. Right. It's Kip Winger's fault. And look, I've look, I've just got Spotify pulled up, and if you can actually go to their page on Spotify. I am 98% sure that is not Kip Winger that is in the picture that is singing for them. So this may be one of those situations where the lead singer got kicked out of the band and some jackass came through and re-recorded everything and they're getting all your all the money off Spotify. So anyway. We're kicking you out, but we're taking your name. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I want to say the band Foreigner. I think it's Foreigner. At, uh, the current band that is touring around the country is 100% uh, no original uh, members. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they found the uh, the lead singer at, like, uh, a karaoke contest. He would, like, sing Foreigner, and so that's how they did it. Anyway, so whatever. Sorry. Wow. Kind of like Starship. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually interested to learn about Villainous because my kid says... Um, she started to play it with her friends, and I was like, really? I've seen that on the shelf, but I don't know anything about it. Oh, yeah. So, Villainous is available at Target, too. Um, so, you play Disney villains. And so, uh, this, the Perfectly Wretched that I played is, uh, I think it's the newest expansion with Cruella DeVille, Pete from um, the, the Mickey Mouse cartoons. And then I didn't Mother know there was a villain in those from Steve yeah. Willie. I didn't know there was a villain. Yeah. Pete, the, I guess I've only the, ever seen like two second clips of Steamboat Willie. No. He's oh. the big bulldog looking guy. Yeah. Okay. Which I figured like he was related to Goofy somehow. I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know. <laughs> it's he's Goofy's really ne'er do well cousin. Yeah. And then uh, Mother Gothel from uh, Tangled, I guess. Yeah. So when you, uh, when you play Villainous, you have a board that has four realms on it. And. It, each turn you move from space to space and you do whatever it says. So, so it'll say collect three power and play two cards and then play a fate card. So every villain has their hand of cards that they're playing from, but they also have a deck of fate cards, which hurt them. So if you play a fate, you, um, or if you're going to do a fate action on somebody, you draw two of their cards and you play them against them. So it, uh, Basically, you're trying to hinder the villains from attaining whatever their goal is. Uh, so, like in the in the uh, um, in the case of Pete, he has four different, um, I guess, goals that he's supposed to do, and they're all kind of random, and they're all face down on his board. But you can look at them, but nobody else can look at them. So you can, in secret, um, plot to. You know, fulfill the 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 um, conditions that will make this goal happen. So one of them is have ten power of allies on a particular location. 
So you're you're playing a hand of cards, you're moving your your villain around and trying to further your goals and hinder everybody else's. So that's kind of villainous in a nutshell. Now, and it, so all the uh, oh yes, I was just gonna say it. Okay, I can understand like the motivation of say uh, Ursula. You know, you're you're kind of maybe you're walking around trying to steal teenagers' voices or whatever. But like Pete, I mean, I can't imagine his card saying anything more than just be an asshole. You know, go <laughs> make fun. You know, step one, make fun of someone. Step two, you know, whatever they're working on, break it. You know, yeah. So I don't know. So he has a lot of allies that that you can play. So he has the. He has several bandits that you can play out. Um, and then, so his locations then are based on particular films. And he'll play uh, a particular item on a, on a location. And the, that item will give him an extra card draw or some extra power. And you use power to pay for cards. Um, but it's, and the, the, the pieces are pretty cool. The, the villain pieces. And it's a, it's a card game and you're, yeah. Throwing down against other villains. Okay. And there's a Marvel version of it too. Is it worked like, like the uh, same way as Marvel villains? Uh, more or less, yes. Okay. But there, but in, it was pointed out to me that they're not compatible with each other, which would have been kind of cool to have. You know, I don't know. Doctor Ultron Octop- versus no, no. Yeah. Doctor Octopus fighting Ursula. Boom. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. For sure. Battle of but the they're Tentacles. Not, they're not compatible, though. Uh-huh. Um, and then my wife picked up Pac-Man the board game at a thrift store. So Is that it's, the one uh, where you physically pick up the dots? You, like you move them around? and Yeah, they're little... Um, it's a plastic board with little buttons that stick up. Yeah. And the... Uh, the Pac-Man has the has the waka waka sound in it, so it's a pressure button. So when you press down on the on the button, it makes the waka waka noise. And so one side plays the uh, plays Pac-Man, and the other side plays the ghosts, and they try to get Pac-Man. So it's it's cute. I mean, it's not it's it's not that deep of a of a gameplay, but it's all right. I love that the fact that it's actually physical and it makes the waka waka yeah the noise that I can't do. But yeah. yeah. Um, so then, uh, this the Oriflon, I'm not sure how to say it. It's a French game that's on board game arena. And this is a bluffing game where you're trying to take over the French crown or the, the, the throne essentially. So you play a family and you have a bunch of cards that you're putting down. So like on your turn, you play a card from your hand. Well, okay. Maybe back up a little bit. There are, I think... 10 cards in a deck of cards. But at the beginning of the game, you're going to randomly discard three of them. So everybody has a little bit different of a hand, and you don't really know if somebody has the card that's going to trump yours. So to begin your turn, you take a card, you play it face down in the influence queue. And every time that you leave that face down, you gain an influence on it, a little token. Well, at any point, you can say, okay, I want to flip my card up and do whatever it says. So the spy says, I can steal an influence from one of my neighbors. Or the, the assassinate card says, I can kill a card anywhere in the queue, whether it's up or down. Um, and so, like I say, every turn, 
I'm going to say, do you want to keep your card face down? Do you want to, do you want to show who you are? Uh, so it's, it's a kind of a, it's a brief little game. It's kind of a filler game. Um, but it's, I don't know. I kind of enjoy it. It's so there's bluffing involved. There's it's, there's a pressure luck, uh, aspect to it. Um, and so this is available on board game arena and I think it won some awards, uh, French Dior of the year 2020 is what it won. Um, so it's a new game. Yeah. But I would recommend checking out Oriflame. That's O R I F L A M M E. Or a flame. So do you call it Flame Rouge or? I'd go with Flam. Okay. So that's I, that's pretty much what I've been playing. Well, I, I was gonna say um, number one. I've always wanted to play what Flam Rouge or whatever it is. Yeah, me too. That's I would really like to play that sometime. That's the bicycle racing game, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious, like how it works. You know, we're, you know, what, what do I roll? You know, to to move forward or whatever, and yeah, just just curious. And uh, the other is uh, this reminds me. Um, I showed my kid the 1993 Three Musketeers. Uh, you know, from Di- that Disney did. Do you guys remember? That, that like Charlie Sheen in it. Yeah, with the Keith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, the very first thing she said was, "Isn't that the guy from Two and a Half Men?" <laughs> and I, I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." Um, and I'm, I'm like, "It's really hard to, uh, you know, overstate here just how big all these people were." And uh, which made me go, "Like, whatever happened to Rebecca De Mornay? You know, where is she now?" And of course, you guys. You may or may not know, poor Tim Curry had a stroke, and that's what's kept him out of uh, uh, acting for like the past ten years or so. Is and, is Tim Curry still around? Yeah, he's alive, but he had a stroke. He's in a wheelchair. Okay, now. It, it, and then Alan Alan Rickman was in that too, right? Ah, uh, no, no, no. You're thinking Robin Hood. Oh, I'm thinking yeah. of Robin Hood. Yep, never mind. Yeah, um, but it's. I was like, hey, that's Vigo Mor- Mortensen, the guy from Lord of the Rings. No, it it wasn't. It was. Uh, if you look up the actor, it's he sort of resembles Vigo wearing an eye patch and a wig. And so there you go. I messed that up. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, it's. I'm a big fan of that movie. I got a kick out of it. You know, it's got some great one-liners and everything else. And and I was like, okay, so you know this this guy Aramis or whoever or whichever one it was oh yeah I freaking love Oliver Platt and that's back when Oliver Platt was in shape and I'm like look Mm. Oliver Platt went on to a pretty good career he just like gained like 60 pounds and just was more of a comedic actor but yeah and it's got Chris Chris what's his name who played uh, Robin yeah yes one of the Batman movies again this is an all-star cast Everybody in it is, is like a big, big name at, at that time. And now, eh, I don't know where they are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what, when's the last time you saw Chris O'Donnell in something? Chris? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's him. You know, yeah. Robin. You know, and uh, yeah. Maybe it's because of that, because that Batman movie was so bad. He was le- <laughs> legally uh, not allowed to act ever again. Although it wasn't. Was just... that the homoerotic Batman with the nipples? Yeah. Was... <laughs> okay. And it, okay, now that was another one that was an all-star cast. Uh, that with Clooney. Yeah, yeah. 
that uh, that movie had something like a three hundred million dollar budget, and like two hundred and twenty million of it was salaries, because it literally has just a lister after a lister after a lister at that time, you know, in it. But anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, I have been playing um, with my kid uh, on spring break. I was like, okay, well, let me give you the experience of us of going to the shop and let's play a game. So, and I'm, so I packed up like the only thing I had that, um, I had two painted forces for and, uh, felt comfortable teaching. And that was star Wars Legion. So we went and played, uh, just a little skirmish game. And, uh, lo and behold, uh, a guy I game with, um, uh, came in and this starts like critiquing me, like, "Why are you doing that? Why you should do this instead?" And I was like, "And I was like, Drew, I mean, yes, that it, what you're saying is true, but if I beat her into the ground, she may not ever want to play with me again. So when you have children and it's their first time, maybe you should let them win, you know, or at least not, you know, table them, you know." Whatever, it's like, it's just just the way it is. Just get out of that mindset, buddy. Yeah, you know, just, anyway. So, but she liked it, because it was like, I'm like, okay, here we are, you know, let's find a, a mat, and like, and I started handing her terrain, and I'm like, okay, just put put it out. You know, ever how you want to do it, and it, nothing can be more random than you doing it, because you've never played this before. It worked. <laughs> uh, the other thing was, uh, you know, I follow me on Twitter, at Chance of Gaming. Uh, I, I a guy found me that plays ASL Starter Kit, and that's what we have been playing once a week, and it's been fun. I swear, I've actually picked stuff up from all the many times I have been shown how to play Squad Leader, and I think it's just I've been out of practice is the main thing. Because it's, I mean, stuff comes back to me like, okay, you know, prep fire, you know, uh, charge in, and uh, and just other little things like don't move an entire stack forward if you're going to pop. Was that? Sorry. Yeah, oh, that's your. A- oh, that was me. Oh, yeah. ASL is very much like that. I mean, ASL is. Yeah, the 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 more you play it, the better you're going to be at it because you just remember a lot of those little things. Yeah. So I, uh, I definitely want to continue this going he's generally available a lot once a week so just trying to meet him and and play and uh yeah it's he even round his stuff has got the rounded corners and everything so it's yeah. just been great but just, you know should play in kansas city yeah absolutely you know i've actually been thinking about that going to historic kc fest um what i wanted to play um I kind of want to uh, commit to a monster game if anybody has space, you know, for like one day. But yeah, I, I don't think I could do it more than a day. I wouldn't want to just spend the entire thing there playing uh, Death Ride Kursk. Although, if I, yeah, if, if you actually bring that thing in that big uh, crate, you know, I'm dying to see it. But, you know. But, hey, uh, speaking of clipped corners, I happened to see a little video on, it was on Reddit. About this, this guy was uh, he was pimping his uh, thing to do that. It's a little like a like a snipper that you can put the pieces into, and it'll round the corners off for you. Oh yeah, that's what I've got. Well, a little like a pair of scissors kind of thing. It's a oh no it's no got a, this it's is got a gauge on it. 
Um, I mean, no, this is engineered uh, to to do it. I mean, the thing that I have, I think it's made for like business cards and stuff, but it's a big, Mm -hmm. it's like the size of pruning shears or something like that, but it's got a little, you know, you just slide the counter in there and clip it, rotate it, clip it, rotate it, clip it, rotate it, and it goes pretty quickly. Okay, cool. did it, I, I'm wondering now if it's like something you know different because I know a couple of two or three companies actually make those things and it is interesting because uh, occasionally people will break theirs like you know right. break the thing and I was like wow because I mean they're not cheap I think they're like forty something bucks something. yeah that's about yeah and mm. I I'm I, I've I was concerned when I heard that as well and like I said I think they're made. For business cards, not necessarily, you know, cardboard counters, which it maybe is the reason they break. Oregon Laminations, I think, is the company that makes it. Hmm. All right. So, yeah, I was, yeah, I'm very curious if the guy, you know, uh, on Reddit, if, if he just came out with a different one or his version or whatever, what makes it different? Yeah, if you, uh, if you find it, Roy, we'll just toss it in the show notes. If not, you know, it's no big deal. But um, I think I have never, maybe if I, I, I think my thing has been if I actually found regular wargaming opponents, I would be interested in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, now that I've started playing ASL, I've fired up Vassal again. And so I kind of want to start doing was at least a play-by-email game or something. You know, with it. Yeah, I don't like ASL by email. I love playing it online, but not by email. It's well, just I I don't enjoy playing it that way. Well, not necessarily ASL, but something else. Because I loaded. Oh yeah. I loaded a bunch of them with the ones I, like I own, and uh, thought that might be interesting. I did find a guy. Remember, I, I texted you that actually lives uh, one neighborhood over from me. But yeah, how's that going? I haven't heard back from him, and I'm really scared to be like, you know, the weirdo that's like, hey, I looked you up online and found your address. <laughs> you know, hey, are you in there? Because I've really been wanting to play some Hex Encounter War games. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that I've seen. So that the, the, the video that the guy did. Okay, the one I just texted you? Yep. Yeah. Sir, uh, I'm going to break in here a little bit. Is my audio okay? Yeah, sounds great. Okay, I I restarted my computer and I uh, am on the computer now. So, Plast- ooh, a seamless switch. Plastic corner trimmer. Hmm. Okay. Um. And, oh yeah, and um, the other thing I th- I think I cannot remember if I talked about it last time or not, but we finished up our Mutant Crawl Classics uh, game that we've been doing. And I really, really like that and would love to continue playing it. And, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. Uh, that would be cool at some point. And uh, Shannon McMaster, something was it? Yeah, Shannon McMaster. Yeah. I was talking to him last night and today about uh, playing. He wants to run a Traveler game. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, I'm down, and I'm sure my friend Chris would be interested too uh it would be straight up the uh the little black books the original ones mm-hmm. which, which i think i picked that up on a humble bundle uh, a few years ago but uh yeah i'd be interested to okay. try that so but we'll see i was gonna talk about shannon and his stuff uh, a little bit later we'll get there we'll get there all right but for right now uh rich is gonna take us to the air war over hanoi 
Yeah, I think I've talked about this before, but I've been playing a game online called Downtown, The Air War Over Hanoi. Um, one of my favorite games. Uh, we finished up one scenario and started a new one, um, and I'm not doing too well so far. It's, it's the second scenario, and I think I've lost all of my MIGs. So I'm just hoping that he will fly right into my anti-aircraft fire and basically commit suicide before he bombs me. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's part of a series of games. There's, a, there's one in Vietnam. There's one in uh israel in like 67 to 73 there's one in uh in a hypothetical one in europe in 1985 and then there's a world war one one as well that i have not played but uh yeah i can hear petunia clark singing yeah. in the background <laughs> yeah i assume that she's serenading so it's actually interesting um every scenario in downtown is named after a song from that time period. So you can like go to Spotify or whatever, and GMT has made a playlist uh, for all of the scenarios in that one. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then just last weekend when my daughter was in town, we played an exit game. Um, we've, we've played these before. We've played both exit and unlock, um, but she picked this one up because we were at miniature market and she wanted to play it before she left. It was called the cemetery of the night. And I mean, so exit games in general, they're they're one time use games. I mean, literally, you you get it out of the box, you play it for about two hours and then you throw everything away. It's not reusable at all, Um, which is fine because it's only I think she got it for like 12 bucks or something. So the family all played something for two hours and it costs her 12 bucks. Um, Mm -hmm. This one in particular, I didn't enjoy as much as the last one we played. I just didn't think the puzzles were as interesting. But just the way the games work in general, you've got a little book and you have a couple decks of cards and you have to figure out the clues to solve some sort of mystery. So you'll start with like page one of the book and usually the first clue is pretty obvious. It's like, oh, you have to do this. And then you look for that number card that goes with the symbol and it'll either tell you, well, it'll say, where did you find this? Just to make sure you're not randomly going through the deck. And if if you say, well, I found this on the picture of the tombstone, they'll say, okay, we'll take card 26. And you'll take card 26, and it'll either say, nope, you're wrong, or it'll say, hey, here's another clue for you. And you'll work your way through until you've got mm, something like eight or ten clues, and you completely finish the game. This one had a really interesting ending to it. I don't want to give it away in case anyone hasn't played it, but... Overall, I just didn't like this one as much as the last one we played. But there's a lot of these. I mean, there's got to be at least a dozen. Um, so they're, they're fun to play. So having played the Exit games and having played the Unlock games, uh-huh. which do you prefer? Because I've only played the Unlock. So I think I prefer the Unlock games, although my daughter prefers the Exit games. Um, for one, the Unlock games... If you're careful with, you can resell those, which I yes. think is nice because then you can trade them and play them. Mm-hmm. Um, exit game, there is a 0% chance. I mean, technically you could if you wanted to, but basically you would have to just like make a photocopy of everything before you played and destroy the photocopies. Mm-hmm. And Exit games are completely destroyed. You literally take it all and throw it away at the end. Oh. So I think mm-hmm. I like the unlock games. Also, the, un- the one unlock game that I played, it had... I thought it was really interesting because it, at one point in the game, it basically divided you into two groups and said, you t- you can't talk to each other at all. So mm-hmm. you each have to work on your own puzzle. And then you get to a certain point where it says, after you have each solved your puzzle, now basically you fixed a radio or something, and now you can talk to each other. So um, I like Unlock better. 
Ah, all right. And that's app-based, too. Is that, does Exit use an app or no? It has one, but it, really all it is is a timer in sound effects. Oh, and it's not okay. even like specific sound effects to what you're doing. It's just sort of like spooky background music or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Exit, yeah, the Unlock, definitely. Exit, not so much. Hmm. All right. Uh, and then we played another game of Gaia Project. We've played that a, a few times now. Really enjoying that one. And I finally won a game. So yay me. I'm the uh, <laughs> the reigning Gaia Project champion. Um, really lo- liking that one. I mean, it kind of scratches the itch of Twilight Imperium, which I'm really missing. Um, but it's not nearly as big. You can play Gaia Project in a couple hours, maybe three at the most. But I think we played in two hours. Gaia Project goes pretty quickly. Um, which is part of the fun of Gaia Project 2 is how quick it plays because you feel like as soon as you get your engine up and running, the game's almost over. It's like, crap, I got all this cool stuff to play with now, but I don't have any time left to do anything because mm. it's the game is six rounds long and then you're done. Um, yeah. So I'm enjoying it, though. We, have a, we, we like it a lot. Now, that's the one that uh, Gaia Project is the sci-fi version of the other game we played. Terra Mystica. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's basically a sequel to Terra Mystica. The mechanics are similar, but not the same. Um, I mean, if you played Terra Mystica, you'll pick up a lot of that on Gaia Project, but it is a different game, and there's enough different mechanics that it doesn't just feel like a reskin at all. Okay. All right. Uh, and then I've been playing some RPGs as well. I'm playing a, a one-on-one campaign with my daughter of D&D, and we're enjoying that one. Uh, my group is playing, still playing Warhammer Fantasy RPG. In fact, I think this Tuesday we're going to finish up the first campaign or story or whatever you want to call it. And I think we'll continue on from there, but we're finally going to wrap up the first big arc. And then last week online, I actually played Old School Essentials, which I thought was really cool. Have you guys played that at all? Yes. No, I'm not familiar. Okay, it's basically like basic D&D from back in the late 70s or early 80s or whatever. Very Mm -hmm. simple, you know, so like Elf is a class in that game. Um, You know, there's there's no like what are your character's motivations because every character has the same motivation. Kill things and get as much money as you can. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, we like went into this dungeon and, you know, I'm a level one magic user, so I have four hit points Mm -hmm. and... uh, my the one spell that I know is protection from evil, and it's only good for myself. So I'm basically just baggage at this point. Um, but I did survive so far. We found a big we <laughs> we killed some troglodytes or something, and uh, I think we only lost one character so far. But it's one of those games where you just you have extra characters ready to go because you are gonna die at level level one. He had three spiders gang up on him, and he was pretty much done. Uh, but we had a blast. We played for like five hours Friday night. And I think we're going to there's a little more of the dungeon that we didn't get to see. So I think in a few weeks we're going to go back and just kind of finish that one up. But it's not a campaign or anything. It's basically just a one shot that's going to take end up taking two sessions. Oh, yeah, I am big into old school. Well, it's old school essentials is part of old school renaissance that whole thing correct and and i don't know what the difference is but i know that what we played was ose yeah i mean it's they're more or less the the same things uh that's like uh i've played the white hack which is based on the white box D, and then there's black hack and all these different ones and which is fascinating to me because this is me actually like 
role playing for the first time, and yeah. uh, I never actually played any of this old D and D stuff, so it's all just new to me. I'm like, okay, this is how it goes, yay! And uh, here we go. And uh, yeah, I own a ton of stuff for uh, yeah. old school. Rentals. And for me, it's kind of the opposite. It's taking me back to the game I played when I was a kid. I would definitely oh, back say in fifth it, grade, sixth grade. Yeah, it, it's very crunchy. I mean, dad gum. I get you get hit like one time and you're almost dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, oh. like I said, I have I have four hit points. I'm if anything hits me, I'm gonna die. So. And it's not like I'm out there. I'm not a glass cannon either. I'm just glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very fine crystal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basi- I mean, it's a uh, mutant crawl classics is that, you know, done the same way. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and I've got to say the mutant crawl classics, like, um, rule book, that is an incredible value. I think it's like 30 bucks and it's like as thick as a dictionary. You know, yeah, just, yeah, just highly recommend. Well, the other nice thing about this is, I mean, like I said, I played this when I was a kid, but literally when the guy proposed this game, it's like, hey, we're going to do a one shot. I want to get some guys together. We're going to play online. And I said, yeah, I would love to play, but I know nothing about this system. And he said, don't worry about it. Just show up and play. I mean, it's that easy. Because, I mean, obviously someone has to know the rules. The DM does. But I never looked at a rule book for this. I, I took a pre-generated character and I told him where I was going to go. And, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna chuck a dagger at this guy. And here's my D20 roll. And it's really old school. I mean, we're using we're using Thaco. We're not using the, the new armor class. <laughs> Thaco. Yeah. What a convoluted <laughs> I know. mess that was. But the other thing is that we're playing on virtual table on uh, Foundry virtual tabletop, mm-hmm. and it's doing the calculations for us. So it's it's really cool. We roll a d20. It knows if we hit, and if we hit, it automatically rolls the damage die for us as well. Really? So it's cool. It's like you roll, okay. and it's like, oh, here's a hit, and here's the damage, or you missed which is what I did a lot of because I was a wizard chucking daggers. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of wizards uh, chucking daggers, we have a sponsor, Mike at UltraDementia.com, and you'll have to see it in the show notes because it's Alter 3DI Mencia, and yeah, it's a thing.com, and uh, you'll see it in the show notes. Use your discount code COG2019 for 20% off your order, and yeah, Mike can absolutely print you a wizard with a dagger. Among all the other stuff, terrain, actual dungeons for him to run around in, and uh, yeah, even stuff from HeroesHorde.com. So check yeah, out. I was I was knocking around his website, and that Heroes Horde stuff is pretty cool. So um, he can print that for you. I think he, I believe he must be a licensed uh, licensed printer. I know he Hero Forge is amazing. I love that site. I mean, if you are well, going to play any sort of extended character. It is so worth, what is it, 20, 25 bucks to make your personal mini. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the last one I made for our Mutant Crawl Classics thing, which was like, it was like a anthropomorphic wolf with wings, and I dressed him in what could best be described as something Don Johnson would wear in Miami Vice. <laughs> and I was able to do all that, and plus give him the correct weapons that he had, and just yeah, it's cool. So, well, as, as my daughter as and hero- I are going to continue on our campaign, I may uh, I may hook him up with a Hero Forge mini to print yeah. for him. The so one of the things I learned about Hero Forge though is that for this uh, Midgard game that I'm going to be starting tomorrow, 
we just we went on and and uh, made our character, and then I just screenshotted it and like used that as my icon on the on roll twenty, which I mean is yeah. kind of it's it's hacking the system, I guess, but I don't know. Well, I started doing that, and then I a friend of mine actually has the good subscription. And so I sent him a link to my character, and he was able to actually get the because to- he could get tokens for it and sent them back to me, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So uh, the next thing we had is what's on your radar, complete with new sound effects. We have what's on your sonar. That's our new new is this sonar new think- segment. Yeah. Like One ping that. only. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the first thing we have is the Un-American Road Atlas. And this is for Dungeon Crawl Classics. And it comes from Shield of Faith Studios. I just thought it was neat. I'm fascinated by post-apocalyptic America whenever I see it in, like, a media, particularly a game. So You're not going to enjoy it that much in 20 years when you're living through it. Uh, no, not at <laughs> all. But, you know, I'm very curious to see, like, if they actually went in and, like, you know, well, you're in... I get you see the ruined arch, and so you know you're in uh, yeah. the uh, post-apocalyptic St. Louis or whatever. So yeah, that kind of thing is just neat to me. So I think there was a TV show that did that recently. Ah, that would be it was on Sci-Fi. Yeah, um, I remember hearing about that. Dadgummit, and I can't think of the name of it because that's where like the whole thing, uh, the town they lived in, that the main characters lived in and operated out of was uh, post-apocalyptic St. Louis, and the arch was still there. So I can't think of the name of it. Uh, a Defiance. very sturdy piece of engineering. Defiance. Which Yeah, I, that's right. I, I do remember I, that. That's the kind of thing like I want to know more about. Uh, I just thought it was a really cool story, just the, the setup. Uh, and that was, it was like this alien craft showed up to um, Earth, complete with multiple races on board. And it was something to the effect of, like, um, they didn't know Earth was inhabited because they had showed up to terraform it, to make it, like, um, you know, for them. And something about, like, we were in discussions with them about, like, well, you know, you can't live here. Maybe you can go to, I don't know, Venus or some shit. When something happened and the ship ended up crashing on Earth. And so Earth has now been, like, halfway terraformed and all these alien races are running around on Earth. And, yeah, so, anyway. Hmm. I just thought it was neat. And it was kind of the thing, like, wow, I want to know more about that. It seemed like a cool pitch. Anyway. So you reminded me of a book um, called Warrior, not the not the cats. Um, that uh, is uh, is a post apocalyptic book, and there is a ah, holy set. Sh- holy shit! I've read that. Yes, with, have you? Uh, All right. Yes, which it uh, what is it like? Witch warrior and something. Maybe I can't. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's, it's been a hundred years since I read them, but yes, I liked them. It was um, this group. It was a, mil- a group of military people. They were like uh, in some kind of uh, frozen in a bunker or something like right. deli- deliberately, not magic. And the and the the, the uh, machinery malfunctioned, and they were like two hundred years later than they were supposed to be woken up. 
Right. And uh, so you have this technologically technologically advanced group of people who kind of emerge into a stone age of post-apocalyptic uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I, they were just, I mean, I remember I'm teaching people like simple stuff, like how to make uh, Coke for coal, you know, where mm-hmm. it would burn hotter, which means you could actually, you know, met, melt steel and, you, you know, got them out of the Bronze Age and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. The one scene I remember was the healer uh, drank the urine of the pregnant woman to see if it was sweet, to see if she had gestational diabetes. I don't remember that scene, but I believe it. <laughs> Commitment believe it to the craft. Yeah. You betcha. Yep. I think that's so just I what... That's I don't just... know if it was kind of like a, a wine tasting where you like swish it around <laughs> and spit it out or what. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know if he just told... Yeah, maybe he just, you know, that was like his thing. And uh, he just said, oh, I got, I got to check for uh, gestational diabetes. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you're just a weirdo. So anyway. That's a guy. He's not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to check to be sure. I have to check to be sure. Uh, so the next thing we had is uh, the, the link is kind of messed up. You have to click on it and just kind of click around a little bit. It is, well, I'll fix it now. It's the Robotech Macross dogfight miniature game is finally available for pre-order for a grand total of 70 bucks and this is looking at it it's essentially um x-wing with robotech is the, I, I think kind of like the best way i could describe it you actually have movement templates and you know all that stuff and i'm really really interested to play this i think 70 bucks is super cheap for what all you get with it and uh yeah i just hope it's half as good as it looks but i guess if all else fails i have some really cool miniatures i can play battletech with you know yeah but yeah those are cool it's uh it's supposed to ship this month and um i don't know i mean if miniature market would carry it say you would get it even cheaper than 70 you know saying i don't know uh 50 or so whatever 20 percent off 70 would be which would be 14 no math anyway and uh yeah it's supposed to be coming this month we've talked about it before and i'm very excited to see it so anyway the next thing we had was as it slowly loads solemn veil a folk horror role-playing game set within solemn veil an isolated town in southwest england as of this podcast, ah, shit, you're going to miss it because 13 hours to go. So you're not going to back it. Sorry. you can. Uh, I'll have it linked in the show notes. You can take a look at it. Uh, unless you can, like, you're listening in on me uh, via psychic something or another where you get over there and see it. I just thought it was, like, really neat because I'm, you know, Stephen King makes the that section of the U.S. to be, you know, fascinating. And so plus the history of it all, and folk horror is kind of neat. And, um, yeah, I just hmm. think it's neat. Right. And um, this will be one of those... I See, I consider this stuff kind of OSR, too. It's Usually it is. It's, it's going to be, you know, that kind of crunchy type uh, role-playing. And, let's see, they wanted a measly five grand. As of this podcast, they've raised $37,000. And, uh, I don't know, just looks pretty neat. Um, I guess, though, I would 
be more interested if I actually had somebody to play with. That's kind of the thing. So, so that's course, always the catch, isn't it? Always. <laughs> so it's like the, um, $35 via the, uh, the, the Kickstarter, which means it'll pro you could probably get it cheaper later when it comes out. So I was going to say the, uh, the, the easy comparison here is to Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, uh, as in the Chaosium, or just Cthulhu, period? Well, just in the setting. Ah, yeah. setting-wise. Okay. Yeah, it comes from mm -hmm. uh, Dirty Vortex, and you can go to dirtyvortex.net is their official um, <laughs> thing. And, uh, oh yeah, they do Art Deco dice on there. I kind of want some of those, because I'm a huge fan of Art Deco. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of neat. I think I stumbled across this on Twitter at some point and uh yeah for folk horror i highly recommend like well I, I i'll take the easy way out and say like uh, blood and satan's claw or uh the wicker man i almost said midsummer but i consider while it is folk horror i consider midsummer more uh art house horror because <laughs> it's right. it's really weird yeah it gets really really weird my kid that loves horror movies watched it, and she's like, "This movie's terrible," and I'm <laughs> like, "I, I'm like, yeah, it's it's more of an art house kind of thing." But anyway, anyway, so uh, the next thing was a question I had for Richard. I stumbled across this when I was looking for uh, the ASL rat charts. Yeah, over on Ritterkrieg, ever how you say it? Um, there. ASL, the St. Louis ASL Club actually did a like campaign for ASL. Is that what that is? It's the China Burma India theater. Yeah, I don't know if you'd call it a module or what, but yeah, it's several scenarios, maps. I mean, everything that you need to play some CBI scenarios. Yeah, I own it. I haven't played it yet, mostly because I'm waiting for Rising Sun to come out so that I can get the uh, the Pacific Theater stuff. I think you need Pacific Theater to play this. I was... Be the life of the party and impress the ladies with your knowledge on this fascinating theater of war. That's how I got my wife. <laughs> uh, I was just curious, Rich. Uh, how did they come up with this? How did they go like, hey, guys, let's... You know... I, I don't know the details of it because uh, they did this before I started playing ASL, actually. It's a few years old. Um, so... Yeah, I'm, I I knew that they did this, but I don't really know many details about how it came about. Um, and then, you know, the whole last year, I haven't seen any of those guys. So I'm not really in touch with them anymore. Um, I do know that they were talking about doing another one, but I don't even I don't know if it's going to be a different theater or an expansion of that one or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're 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 they were talking about doing another. Yeah, go in and throw, throw your weight around, Richard. Just be like, I'm on, I have, you know, I'm on like six historically based podcasts at this point. So that's right. Um, I've got, yes. I've got access to at least a dozen listeners. Yes. Do you know who I am? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then be like, you know, Hey, this, come on, it's time to do another one guys. Time to do it. In fact, let's do even more obscure for ESL. Let's do, uh, the Japanese invasion of the Aleutians. Do that. Yeah. That's even more obscure. That actually sounds kind of fun. It might was, be. There were some pretty interesting battles that happened up. There. I mean, it was, yeah, it was crazy that it ever happened in the first place. But the, the actual battles that took place up there were interesting. Well, well there you go. Make, just make that happen. 
and then I'm just very curious to know like how they do it. Like, okay, like who does? Where do you guys get the artwork? You know, who does the typesetting or you know whatever? But anyway, so the next thing we had comes from. Are you familiar with um, Dana Lombardi at all? I don't know the name, but I mean I've probably seen his work. You know, just because publisher artist art so does some uh some gaming as well anyway uh this is a kickstarter for napoleon's last army it is a whole breakdown of his army at waterloo the french army of the hundred days i guess it's beyond just waterloo and so this is uh going to show you like uh what they're the color plates you know and all this stuff you've got 150 photographs of historic artifacts so you'll know from the colors and all this good stuff so it's kind of neat if you're super duper into um napoleonic gaming and i'm trying to see i'm on the main page that gimmick how do we Can ah. get the grenadier or the old guard edition the grognard edition for 80 bucks that's the cheapest one and it's a um a standard edition and then the grenadier is 85 yeah and it, it kind of gets more and more expensive with 180 which is the old guard it's the luxury leather cover with a foil stamp smith smith finding whatever that is raised hubs on spine gilded edges ribbon marker plus book plate signed by keith rocco so there you go and uh, yeah, it's kind of neat, but I don't know if I want to spend, drop that, you know, I'm just not that into Napoleonics. Maybe if it was like Seven Years' War or Thirty Years' War or English Civil War, that's kind of more of what I'm into. So. Or if they were badgers. Badgers, yes. If they were Napoleonic <laughs> soldiers dressed as, you know, dressed as badgers. Badgers? Badgers dressed as Napoleonic soldiers. Yeah, we could go with that either. So there you go. And um, I'm scrolling down to the picture of this guy in the horse with the big fluffy hat. That guy's oh, yeah. definitely into Napoleonics. I mean, look, I yeah, but of course, you know, over here, all we can do is we can cosplay. So we do American Civil War cosplay. That's what we do here. See, that's so easy because you just like get whatever crappy clothes you've already got, and here you look like a Southern Army. <laughs> uh, but look, the most the, the best comment I've ever seen has I can't, it was from Ed Bears, the big historian or whatever. He goes, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says something like, "I've seen those guys, you know, uh, do it," and he said, "Those are the fattest Southerners." i've ever seen you know, <laughs> it was like the actual southern army was starving so you know yeah. they should be rail thin but they should, in fact they should eat that one over there and yeah so anyway the guy in the in the in the bear fur helmet it's uh it's like one of those he's got uh it's like a beer helmet he's got a whole keg of wine up in there with a little <laughs> straw that goes down well what i thought was uh what was the secret uh thing fred flintstone was in the water buffalo oh Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks like the helmet, the hats they wear in that, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, the next one we had on What's on Your Radar is Fletcher Pratt's Naval War Game, War Gaming with Model Ships, 1900 through 1945. I discovered this because it's sold at, uh, there's a naval museum that posted something on Twitter and actually posted a picture of it with the little miniatures and stuff that people used to do it and apparently this is a well-regarded set of rules that have been in published uh it that have been published for a long time so 
Are you guys familiar with this one at all? I am not, but I'm always mm-hmm. always interested in good naval stuff, even though I hardly ever get to play it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna just, put this on. I'm gonna save this one and maybe come back to this. I mean, this it's uh, 21.59 off Amazon. Um, yeah, and it kind of covers modern naval warfare, you know, 1900 to 1945. Well, no, sorry, that's not modern. Modern. That would be whatever it's considered the big gun era, the battleship yeah. era. Nineteen. And that might be like the harpoon stuff is really intimidating, but some of this, you know, early. 20th century stuff might be a lot easier to get into just because you know you don't have helicopters and cruise missiles and all that stuff so submarine giving you trouble depth charges that's the best (laughs) you're not launching a sea king and you know all this other shit trying to blow it up yeah you just all you could do is depth charges so so moving on uh the next thing we had was there is a k-pop board game that is coming to kickstarter I, Always comes back to K-pop it does. this show. I discovered this uh, having spent a uh, whole week into K-pop, and this not is just K-pop. It is a unique K-pop board game. It's not like all those other K-pop board games that we talk about every week. I know there's just ten, <laughs> tens of them, tens of thousands of them, and uh, this one is actually where you will try and make it more or less as a k-pop trainee where it's up to five players it's about living a life as a k-pop trainee you'll travel around the world training to build up your skills in dance vocal and rap along the way you'll take part in solo stage events multiplayer competitions and you'll even take a break to visit the salon for a new look win over enough fans (laughs) and you will earn the right to go before the evaluation judge, impress them, and you will debut as the next K-pop idol. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you didn't know, uh, it's a whole cult over there in, like, Korea, and to a lesser extent, Japan, where you kind of enter in these uh, academies or whatever at a young age, like 10 or 12 years old, and... Oh, I did not know that. You so did- it's kind of like the, like the Mickey Mouse Club. Sort of. Only you you just literally train for, like, years. You don't actually go out on stage or anything. You'll spend 6, 8, 12, uh, six, eight, 10, 12 years training to do this. And then they'll try to pair you up, and that's how you that how it works. And so you will, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. It's supposed to be really tough, and, uh, yeah, so it's just kind of a thing. And, uh... Yeah, so I don't know how they're going to translate that into a board game, but I'm curious to see. So, Anyway, the next thing we had is Fallout the role-playing game. I know they had this like yes. this big this big announcement that it launched, and I'll, here I am going, um, I thought that thing was already out. But no, apparently... That's some miniatures. Yes, it was not. Yep. It was just the miniatures. And so there you go. Fallout the role-playing game. Have you picked this up, Roy? No, but I've been eyeballing it because um, I I love playing Fallout, and I I would love to see a Fallout movie. I think that would do do great. But uh, the role playing game I think would be pretty fun too because it's it, it's it's post apocalyptic, but it's kind of it's like it's heavy with satire, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. At least the video games. I don't know if that translate will translate over. To the RPG, mm-hmm. I guess it would be how your GM does it or whatever. But uh, right, yeah. I mean, if if you don't know, 
And uh, I would highly recommend picking up one of these games. Uh, Fallout 3 and 4 are really approachable. It's Essentially, the gist of it is your character grew up in a vault, which underground, buried away from the nuclear apocalypse. And one day, for various different reasons, you venture forth from the vault into the wasteland. And that kind of starts it. So... Mm -hmm. I guess the only issue I ever had with the video games is that, like, you guys have had 200 years to kind of clean some of this up. Why haven't you done more of that than than what you've been doing? Because, you know, okay, great, the building's busted down. Why don't you tear it the rest of the way down and build a new building there? But whatever. I don't Politics. Know. Yes, I'm yeah. going to say... Just blame the, other, blame the other side. I'm going to say it's mismanagement. Mismanagement. And another uh, RPG that just dropped, you can now get the Dune RPG in PDF form. And um, yeah, I'm kind of probably going to pick this up simply just to, as a source book, I guess, for the actual books. You know, more to read uh, to me where I can look at, you know, I'll have everything just kind of cut and dried there as these different factions, these houses, these are the planets they use, you know, all that kind of stuff I find fascinating although it does give you mm -hmm. rules for creating a noble house of your own so i think this one will do pretty well that movie is due to drop into the summer i think i can't remember uh, I'm and not it will, sure it will be um on hbo max i think it's part of oh really yeah i'm almost positive it's part of one of those it uh, oh the release date is October first, according to this. Well, you know, so far who knows. So <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård, who plays uh, Eric Selvig from the MCU, is, is going to play uh, the Baron Harkonnen, which I think is pretty good casting, in my opinion. He plays who from MCU? Eric Selvig. Oh, okay, yeah. From uh, the Thor movies, right? So and also you got Zendaya, who. Um, She's Chani in the um, the Dune movie, and she's also Mary Jane. So, oh, all right. Which I also look the if you haven't watched the Spider Man movies, they're awesome. Tom Holland is like the perfect Spider Man in my opinion. It's just yeah, just great. Anyway, so, mm. so all right, Roy is starting a Midgard Five E game with a bear yep. folk vampire slayer. Yep, so that's uh, is on my radar is I'm going to be playing uh, some more D&D &D tomorrow with a new campaign. And uh, the one thing that's kind of unique about this is that I have a shared backstory with another PC. Um, the Have you guys ever ever done a backstory that, that you know, that you're uh, sharing? In this case, we're brother and sister. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if you've ever done this, but... It's not 100% of the time, but I would say most of the time I play an RPG, whether it's me GMing or someone else, if we're going to play any sort of extended campaign, we'll often start with what we call a session zero, which yep. is where we kind of make our characters together. And part of that is saying, hey, you have some sort of relationship. You didn't just meet this person in the tavern on night one. Yeah. You have a relationship with really this person or whatever. That. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to begin with uh, two sessions that will be played concurrently. So the group will not be together from the get-go. So he's going to have, um, I believe, a group of three. 
and a group of four. And then, so that'll be our kind of our session zero. And then we'll move on. I think he's going to have us level up uh, maybe at least one level in the, the one session. Um, and then the, the, the next session then will be uh, the group together. So he's going to kind of split up the, uh, the, the meetings of people. I've heard you're never you're not supposed to split the party. That's just what I heard. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna rejoin we're gonna join that. the party together. They just tell me that because they don't want it. Yeah, just yeah, they know it's advantageous, so they don't want that to happen. So I understand. <laughs> so and uh, we talked previously about my friend Shannon Shannon McMaster, and I kind of spoke about his work around the edges last time around. I believe he was he who may not be named last episode, right? Because I did not have express permission to like <laughs> throw down his name. Um, so this is a friend of mine who, I guess. Adam, are you going to start playing Traveler with him? Uh, in theory, he's t- he, we're, we're okay. discussing it on Twitter. Okay. So yeah. Um, but you can check out his stuff at Shannon McMaster.itch.io, uh, where he's got a bunch of uh, um, you know indie things that he's published. So check him out. And uh, that's just, on my I, radar. I'm just fascinated where uh, there's Grumbleflap shannon mcmaster.com which i think is kind of like a blog i just wonder why yeah. it's, it's grumble flumbles i don't know yeah i don't know it's something that he he made up Get, yeah. sounds like a name for a dwarf in an rpg grumble flap <laughs> try to remember that as my next one i don't know i still default to steve like um even like male female characters let's call him steve you know which annoys my kids they're like oh, we wanted to play your character on genshin impact but it's a girl and her name is Steve. And I'm like, well, she's, you know, uh, progressive, I guess. I don't know. It's that's her name. <laughs> Who are you to question her parents naming her? If Steve? They can name a boy, Sue. They can name a girl, Steve. Right. So if you, uh, if you check out Shannon's, uh, blog, it's kind of a, uh, mix of role-playing stuff and politics and, you know, maybe it's somebody that somebody's inter- something that somebody's interested in. Which reminds me, I need to update our Patreon thing because my one subscriber uh, is messaging me like, "Are you gonna update this? Because I'm paying like three dollars a month, and that could be better spent elsewhere." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm on it. I'll do it." So, um, what's this next thing we got? What is the Xenobia War? I think have you not heard of this? I think of Zootopia. So the Zenobia Awards, it's a new thing. Um, a group of, I, I don't know who actually sponsors the group. I know Volker Runka is one of the people involved in it, as, as well as a bunch of other well-known names in wargaming. And basically just trying to reward diversity in wargame design uh, for the designers themselves. Um, as is anything, I mean, I'm sure you can already guess this is getting a very mixed reaction from the Twitter community. Um, but they did just release like their sort of their first cut. It's kind of like, a, you know, show us your what your war game is going to be. We'll kind of mentor you through it and help develop the game for you. And I don't know, maybe some of these will get published at some point. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because there's a lot of really cool 
ideas for games on here without knowing anything about the game at all. These might all be terrible games, but it is kind of cool to see very different things covered in Wargaming. So there is no Bulge games on here. There's no D-Day games on here. There's no Gettysburg games on here. They're all smaller conflicts. Uh, some of them are, there are World War II things on here, um, but there's things like, what was there? There's, um, there's one about like the resistance or the Dutch resistance, you know, stuff like that on there. So airmen of Tuskegee, just a lot. It It's obviously it's without knowing anything about the designers or what their backgrounds are, or anything like that. The diversity of the game concepts is, is there, which I think is interesting. Yeah. This is fascinating now that I understand better what I'm looking at. Like, okay, there's rising waters by scout bloom Enter 14 weeks of catastrophic flood on the Mississippi Delta as African-American sharecroppers build levees and redirect water to avoid loss of people, towns, and land, or migrate to safety, all while resisting landowner action. And then you have uh, Exclusion Order 70 by Kevin Nishimoto. As individuals under the forcible evacuation of Japanese Americans from the West Coast into internment camps, you have little time to settle such affairs such as selling property, closing business, and saying goodbye to friends. That's crazy that you can gamify that, but you really could. Hmm. You could make yeah. that, you know, a game. And, you know, that would... Well, there's one down there on the Nuremberg Trials. Wow. Yeah. So... Who do you want to be today? Do you want to defend the Nazis or do you want to persecute them? <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the Hollenspiel stuff that, you know, they had the, the game about slavery that came out a two years ago. I've lost all track of time at this point, but again, I just think it's interesting to see some, some new stuff out there. Again, no Bulge games, no D-Day games, no, uh, um, what are other big ones? Uh, you know, the, the Gettysburg games, stuff like that. So, I, I, the main reason that I love historical war games is for the history. Um, and there's a couple different things. One is like something that you do know pretty well, like the battle of the bulge. So, you know, I know a decent bit about the battle of the bulge. And sometimes I want to play a game where I fight that and I see if I can do what happened historically or something else is going to happen. But I also love games. It's like, I know nothing about this. And here's a game that looks pretty cool that's going to teach me something about it. So hopefully some of these will, will scratch that itch. Apparently they got almost 150 game submissions. But uh, you'll, there's only one. There'll only be one winter. So. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't remember the exact details of it. I just knew that they were sort of meeting with uh, some some big name developers and designers and, and working with them for some of these concepts to turn them into games possibly. Looks like so, uh, October 15th, 2021, winners and runners-up announced and prizes awarded. Uh, preparation of pitches to publishers begins. That's a funny thing to say. And so, okay. <laughs> so Camp Manager didn't make the cut? Camp Manager. Is that one that was on there? It's not oh, on this I don't one? know. I'm just I'm thinking about reprehensible... Uh, Oh. Game concepts. Yeah. Ma managing a work camp. Uh. It's yeah. I mean, they could. I, I mean, look, it's you're always gonna have something like that. And every about every, I swear, every six months they talk about like uh, responsible gaming, responsible historical gaming in miniature gaming. 
And, yeah, we've talked about that before. Like, you know, I don't play SS, you know, in playing Germans. Or I won't play some of the uh, the minor uh, whatever. For, and uh, just because of things, you know, reasons and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's our, just your own level of comfort, you know, with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's see, always going to be there. I do, but I'm also not playing games where part of the mechanic of the game is, you know, let's see how many civilians you can kill or something like that. Although, even in a game like Brave Little Belgium, I mean, part of the mechanic of that game is Germans committing atrocities. It is true, but I I always see a difference, you know, with a Hex Encounter game where you're literally just playing, that's the opposing force that just happened to be, you know, the SS or whatever. It's different other than, like, okay, I'm going to get into Flames of War or Bolt Action, and I am specifically going to build a SS army. You know, it's... I, I, I right. see a difference yeah. there. And, and you're going to wear uh, the, the skull hat when you come play it at the game store. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would be... Yeah, that would definitely be something where I would... Yeah, I'd have, I would have to say something. Like, no, no, no. The, yeah, we, we, no, 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 no. We're, we're not doing this. Because even when we play... There is there to me. There's a temptation uh, when we when we play like bolt action or whatever to um, fall into what I call folksy racism. You know where <laughs> where they do that. You know where I mean. Basically, you'll have kids. It's usually kids nine times out of ten repeating slogans from that were invented in World War Two, like slap a jap or you know whatever. And I'm always like, no, man, no, 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 no. It's just because it's old timey and folksy doesn't mean it's any less racist. It's like, it's it was a different time then. We know better now, so let's let's not do that. From the uh, Dick Van Patten school of racism. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't think I've ever encountered that. Uh, it's, so. uh, it's miniature games. I, I argue that you know, <laughs> it's, it's miniature gaming. It's We'll let anybody in. I mean, come on. ASL keeps a lot of people out. They look at that rule book and they're like, I ain't going to play that. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> so on to actual news. And I hate it when I put a Twitter link right as the first one because I have to click on it and I have to sit here and talk. And, uh, ah, yes. I thought this was interesting, even though it's damn near old news now. As of this year, Wizards of the Coast has owned Dungeons & Dragons longer than TSR did. Isn't that crazy? It is, yeah. I mean, I I grew up with... I mean, I never played, but I was very... So what's the year? I mean, what are we talking about then? 20 years? 72. I guess, right? I know it was 70s, but... Oh, wait, are we live Googling? I have a sound effect for that. Yeah, Google. <laughs> when did TSR sell D&D? Sorry, Adam, you did not phrase that in the form of a question. Uh, very true. <laughs> very, very Shit. true. But that's uh, from, so from 97 till now. So uh, TSR started in 75, I think. So 75. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
So basically, they had about a little over 20 years, and then from 97, let's see, to 2007, 15, 20, yeah, okay, yeah, it'll be just over then. That's just interesting, you know, because I've just, yeah, you would think TSR had it for 100 years or 50 years, but no, it's not really the case. So, moving on to uh, yet another... Um, uh, this was an interesting Twitter discussion, and I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. Um, there, apparently, is a little bit of entitlement among hardcore hobbyist board gamers around inserts in board games. Uh, this is the definition of first world problems. It, it really, mm. really is to, com <laughs> to complain about this, to be like, hey, Suzanne. I want you to, you know, make sure I says I sleeve my cards. They need to have room. And but I but hey, I don't sleeve mine, so I need smaller space to reduce the air. I support I sort my by card type. I need separate spaces. Ugh, I cannot even imagine. I just want to be like, look guys, okay. You're very excited about your inserts. Do you actually have an opponent? to play your board game? Well, just <laughs> fucking count yourself lucky. Jeez. So I've never gotten upset about this, but there have been a few games, one I, I can think of in particular, I think it was My Little Scythe, where in the box, there's actually a picture of how everything should be sorted. And I even, I remember I reached out to, I think I tagged Stegmeyer on Twitter or whatever. I'm like, this is awesome. Thank you for doing this. Um, I didn't call out anyone else for not doing it, but... I mean, honestly, that's that's a value added thing. It's nice, but I don't know. I, and Richard's like, for, the, not, for you guys that don't yeah. do this, fuck you. I called out a thousand <laughs> other companies. <laughs> uh. I went all the way back to Avalon Hill. They're not even a business anymore, but I called them out. <laughs> Look, uh, my about my only real experience with it uh, was coming back from Dice Tower Con. Remember that? A, oh, yeah. a game I purchased there. I can't remember what it is. It's some post-apocalyptic game that, of course... I Newer used. I bought it used. Um, okay, that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's some post-apocalyptic game used. Uh, I bought it used, and, um, I, of course, I still haven't got it to the table. And, anyway, it had a lot of different shaped uh, counters and whatnot in it. And... Kind of a confusing insert. Well, needless to say, in my trip back to Mississippi, the box fell over. And yeah. so they all got oh, dumped, no. sh shaken around in there. So I actually had to go to Board Game Geek and say, Hey guys, can someone help me? Where do these go? And people <laughs> actually like did to like took a picture and was like, Okay, put these over here, these over here, these over here. So, I mean, that's about my only thing. But I can't imagine complaining about an insert. Uh, although I am always surprised whenever I open a new board game as to like what's in there, uh, you know, will it be uh, my my favorite ones are the ones that are like, okay, here's two counter sheets and five Ziploc bags. You yes, know, the just, extra bags. Is, yes, is very nice. And like. You should just be lucky for that, or you know, uh, or the ones that are like, yeah. You know, I'm always surprised by the two dice. I'm like, I don't really need two D6 at this point, but okay, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I will say on this Twitter thread, Twitter thread that I'll have posted in the show notes, I do agree with a lot of people where they talk about inserts. I just throw those things away. 
they get in my way. And I'm like, yeah, I do the oh, same. Oh, like that some of the GMT games, yes, I throw those inserts away. Yeah, but anyway. But two you sorts know, of and I'd be, have... I'd be wondering if, uh, curious to see if Mike has done this for anyone, but a lot of people 3D custom inserts as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I will also say there are whole companies that make a living off that. Broken Token does. Right. Yep. Which I own one broken token. I own it for Gloomhaven. It was expensive, but for that particular game, I think it's worth it just because it really saves on setup and organization and all that. I think uh, Meeple Mart does uh, 3D printed stuff too. Hmm. Okay. I think um, I think Broken Token does it's laser cut, right? And then you just put it together. Yeah. It's that wood yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And in ASL, organization is like a whole sub game. Oh, yeah, because it's, in theory, you're supposed to buy those, like, German uh, whatever things. <laughs> yeah, aren't they, like, from Germany Yeah, I know what something? you're talking about. Yeah. The count, the Reiko yes, trains, yeah. Yes, And yeah. that's what you're supposed to put your counters in, so, yeah, anyway. Uh, so the next thing we had, Mantic Games releases an updated Vanguard rulebook causing me to place my other Vanguard rulebook on eBay as we speak. So <laughs> there you go. And uh, just a new version of it. It's up to 1.1. It will now be a softback book. It will be standard. It's got new stuff in it. So just going to toss that on there. Mention that. Uh, the next thing we had was the pedal hack. I'm fascinated, completely fascinated by Tecumel. Is that how you say it? The RPG that that uh, the guy who was a linguistics professor or whatever made, I'm um, just fascinated by it because it's a J.R.R. Tolkien. No, but uh, it's whatever different guy. Whatever the guy's name was. Uh, this comes from Weird Realm Games. Anyway, this is the kind. I of... remember hearing about Tecumel because I think we've talked about that, yeah. but I don't. I don't think I've ever heard of the pedal hack. Well, the pedal hack just brings Tecumel into basically second edition D&D. It strips the rules down. Yeah, okay. if, if you've ever actually read the rule books for Tecumel, they get really odd. And yeah, and so I don't know. It's I yeah, it's not what I would call simple at all. So it just kind of bring, brings it over to OSR until kind of second edition. So just wanted to mention it and if you're like me and was uh is interested in this bizarre realm that this guy created which is some kind of yeah it's weird it's like china and the aztecs had a baby and yeah, i don't know it's weird anyway uh so the next thing we have i've seen everywhere on hex encounter gaming war gaming uh social media is john company second edition and this is where you will negotiate over the fate of the British East India Company. You guys familiar with this one? This is second edition. I don't know if you ever heard of the first one. Yeah, I have never mm, played no. this, but I like Colt Worley. He's actually interesting because it's funny you mentioned Hex Encounter. His games are not, they're definitely not Hex Encounter, and I'm not even sure that I'd call them war games, but war gamers seem to really like them. So Yeah, because he does Root, right? Mm-hmm. Root is, and yeah, um, uh, vast crystal caverns. Right. All the yeah. Is this the same artist as uh, Root? It, it kind of vaguely looks like it. I 
Yeah, well, to me, it looks like he, they're trying to go for uh, period-based um, stuff, but I don't know. Well, yeah, but I didn't know if it was drawn in that style. By, I don't know. It maybe it's just taken from stock images. It doesn't say. Well, hmm. yeah, I like uh, the person listed, the creator of this uh, Kickstarter is listed as Drew Worley. So I wonder if that's like his real name or if that's like his brother or something. Drew runs the business side of it. So I guess, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really tempted on this one, especially because it says right in there, it's like, hey, this is not going to be at Miniature Market. If you want it, you got to buy it now. So. Mm-hmm. All right, you know, you say that, but I'm pretty sure you can go to Miniature Market and pick up Hate. It's right there. Remember when they told us that wasn't going to be there? <laughs> so I was at Miniature Market a, a couple weeks ago, um, and basically their entire game area, uh, no one's allowed to play games there now, so that's like their deep, deep discount area right now. Half that room is hate. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just like filled up with a bunch of hate stuff that apparently no one is interested in. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. It's, the whole thing is weird to me. It's like, uh, I, I don't know where that comes from either. Because it's like, you know, they were supposed to, it was not supposed to ever go to retail. And so did they just lie to us? And so they made all these? I don't understand why they have such a a, a large amount of extra stuff if everybody got their Kickstarter, you know, got it shipped to them. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, I'm really tempted by this one. I mean, even if it's not at Miniature Market, though, often you can find these games secondhand. So, and then another one that's kind of hard to find. Another good game of his, Pax Pamir, came out a couple years ago, and that one is available as an add-on for this one as well. So, hmm. I don't know that one. What what kind of game is that? So it's uh, it's also actually in India, I think, and it's um. How do I describe it? So I, I've only played it once. Um, it's you play um, sort of like you're trying to get access over the controlling interests of the country. There's different factions, so like the British and a couple different Indian factions, I think are. Um, but the interesting thing is both different number of players. You can there's there's always three factions, but depending on the number of players, you could have like two people competing for one faction and one person just kind of takes another faction off on their own, another faction no one cares about. And um you get the interest of the faction, you build up their armies, their infrastructure, and try to gain control of the map. So it's it's a good game. I've only played it once, but I enjoyed it. Now you've talked about a game called Pax Porphyriana. Is yeah, it, that's another. Is it related to the same? Is it the same? It's, yeah, it's it's there is a whole series of Pax games, and okay. I've only played two. Um, Pax Perfuriana is a very different game than Pax Premier, but some of those base mechanics are the same in that you play, you play basically wealthy landlords trying to get controlling interests in a certain it's not a faction in the same way that pax Pamir is but it sort of is um and you try to get you try to build up money and controlling interests uh ultimately because you know that a revolution is coming and you want to be the most powerful one when the president falls hmm. but right. there's like pax transhumanity pax there's several pax games and i don't know how they all fit together how similar they are hmm. okay all right and uh, the next thing we had, Games Workshop unveils a new Warhammer Underworlds two-player starter set. Uh, 
which is good because the other one is a little long in the tooth and it's been around for about three or four years. Look, Warhammer Underworlds is probably, in my opinion, is like one of the best games they've ever made. I really hate that nobody plays it in my area and I've been interested in trying the electronic version, which you can get on Steam. I just hate that it has a kind of a CCG mechanic. It's essentially an LCG, but to get access to all the cards, you have to buy all the releases. So you're buying releases for, like, you know, the Dwarf Faction or the Lizardman Faction. Even though you're never going to play them, there may be one or two cards that you want to field out of there. So I kind of hate that. Yeah. FFG used to do that with X-Wing, and people complained so much that they finally just started letting you buy the cards without buying the ships. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. They, yeah, because yeah. there'd be, like, certain ships. I can't, uh, I can't like, the K-Wing, I think, was one where everyone, no one flew a K-Wing, but everyone played a single card that only came with the K-Wing. Hmm. I know um, also uh, in Legion, you'll end up with stuff kind of like oddball stuff where you have to buy. I'll see people playing cards, and I'm like, where did you get that from? And, oh, it comes from, you know, this set that has the moisture evaporators they, in it or whatever. They do sell a pack of just cards, though. Well, unless unless you're... So, like, the moisture evaporators one, that will come with new objectives and gameplay stuff. Right. But if you're talking about, like, equipment cards and stuff, they sell those in a pack of, you know, just the cards. Yeah. But, all right. Uh, the next thing, I'm fascinated by this Angry Joe's... I know you'd like yes, this one. Yes, take us through it, uh, Richard. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't even remember this. I mean, I vaguely remember that there was a Street Fighter uh, Kickstarter out there, and we probably talked about it on this show. Um, but, you know, apparently there was a two-year delay, and now they're finally, finally ready to ship it or whatever and they're saying oh by the way you owe us 180 dollars for shipping for for some of these people so i thought it was entertaining and i knew adam would like that oh uh, yeah this is fascinating because apparently it's like uh let's see it starts shipping after a two-year delay and they ask backers to pay up to 180 dollars shipping cost on top of it now i think Oh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say part of the reason is maybe uh, COVID and Brexit, maybe. I don't know. I don't know where it's shipping from. But, yeah, there. I think one guy in the comments mentioned, and I'm trying to see, was this a U.S. one or not? Uh, $150 shipping to Germany. I'm guessing it's a big box, and I'm guessing it's heavy, too. But, oh, yeah, it's a U.S. one, so Las Vegas, Nevada. So it doesn't have anything to do with Brexit. I would think. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, can you imagine buying, like, the base pledge uh, for 80 bucks, which is the cheapest <laughs> and then turn around and, like, I need $180 over, two, you know, it's like 2.3 times amount what you paid for this damn thing to get it shipped to you. Never mind the fact that I'm two fucking years late on it. Ugh. I don't know. It's... Yeah. yeah. And then they gave them two weeks to... uh to, to to pay the shipping or I guess lose it I don't know I guess do they get their mo they get their like eighty dollars back or you know I don't whatever. think you can get money back from Kickstarters uh, well I mean come on guys this is this is what I bitch about all the time 
stop prepaying for this shit. You know, it's this. It's it's never any good. It never ever is any good. There's no consumer. Nah, I don't know about never. Ah, well, you know, okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be a Sith and speak in absolutes, but you know, uh, only Sith speak in absolutes. I mean, I get that, but you know, it's it's. I will say this: when it's bad, it's really really bad. You know, so. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, okay, this comes from the Angry Joe show, which is apparently a YouTube thing. Which this is the kind of thing I always have to ask my kids, like, who's Logan Paul? And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is that guy that blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, thank you. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, so this is a YouTube thing. For whatever reason, they decided to do a board game. I don't know. Ugh, it's just missed. But look, if I ever start saying Kickstarter is great, they're paying me. And I will. And the kick and the Kickstarter raised two million dollars. And oh, this was a two million dollar Kickstarter. Yeah, if you look at the actual Kickstarter page, it says ninety eight hundred backers pledged two million fifty two thousand seven hundred ninety one dollars. Gum. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, the damn miniatures better be painted, and they better be good painted too. Oof, it's a lot of money, but yeah. Somebody says, uh, this is why you don't all-in pledge mini-games that you've never played. And then somebody's like, but that's all I use Kickstarter for. i got to get all those exclusive stretch goals <laughs> just in case the game turns out to be awesome. Yep. yep. That's and an, and another Simon game was born. Uh-huh. FOMO. Uh, it's, it's, that's, Fear of missing out. It's like, that's what, you know. Fear, yeah, that is a thing. Fear of missing out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't have that. I don't think I do, but you know, anyway, maybe because you do. don't miss out on anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. Or just, yeah. Oh, look, this reminds me. Um, uh, the other day. All right, so you know, Catalyst Games is what I would consider as a pretty big thing. They're the guys that publish BattleTech, and as of right now, people still haven't got all of their stuff from the Battletech Kickstarter. Meanwhile, Adam has already gotten his on discount from Miniature Market. Like I had I, I bought a I bought a train game at Miniature Market on discount for less than the Kickstarter price and there, I know there are some people that have not received it on Kickstarter yet. Yeah, wow. I mean I mean that was that was my uh, But this was just 2 weeks ago, so this is happening right now. Yeah, that I mean that was In fact, mine. the main reason it wasn't even a game that I was planning on getting, but I saw it and the price was so good, it's still sitting in the shrink cuz I might just resell it. I was like, I can't pass this up. I know this game is still out there and people are waiting to get it. It's crazy. I'm you know, not... you could um buy it at a discount, send it to them and charge full price and maybe you know yeah you could be the the uh, a reseller of, of kickstarter things and like you could tell the the main publisher like no that's all right i got this one <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's a whole thing which look i i always know when kickstarter start to ship because weird stuff suddenly appears on like the uh on like board gaming for sale stuff it was about Three week, two or three weeks ago, suddenly everybody had Tainted Grail stuff for sale. I'm talking just massive amounts. And they were like, oh yeah, I need like, you know, $700 for all this. I paid like 800 And I'm like, shit, dude. I mean, yeah, it looks wow. like a lot of stuff, but it's going to cost you, 
you know, 100, 150 to ship all that shit to me because it's enormous yeah. and heavy. So, uh. And that's part of the reason I saved, too, is because I was picking it up. I mean, that's 15 bucks right there that I'm not paying or more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, yeah, I don't understand it, but yeah, I ended up in an argument with, well, I didn't argue. I just said my piece and I never responded to anything else. <laughs> my, my thing, because I don't, I don't want to argue on the internet, you know, anymore. And I'm so glad I got out of that. And uh, it was basically, you know, it's like you shouldn't back Kickstarters from recognizable companies. And people are like, you don't understand, man. This is how, you know, this co- the only way this company can do it. And my response is like, well, how did they do it before Kickstarter existed, you know? How did how did anything get done? You know, it's it's like, you know, they just want you to prepay for it. That's it. And I, I really, re- I hesitated. I didn't say it, but I wanted to. I was like, they just want suckers to prepay for this. Because it's actually going to be printed, whether this Kickstarter survives or not. It's going to be available at Miniature Market and everywhere else. Cheap. They just want suckers to prepay it. Yeah, prepay for it. Not I me. Mean, not to mention they've even factored in the price of. Uh, they have to pay twenty percent out to Kickstarter. So yeah, it's just. I mean, if it's a recognizable company, you shouldn't back their Kickstarter. Because, I mean, my thing is, is like, look, if Catalyst Games can't afford to just print, you know, stuff out without going to Kickstarter, then I don't want them to have the Battletech license. I want somebody else, a more responsible, more what I would call financially solvent company to have that license. So I don't have to worry about, I mean, if you're not financially solvent enough to do this without Kickstarter, how can I trust that you will even use the Kickstarter money for that? You know, because that happens. People suddenly go, well, you know, I'm going to pay myself a salary and my wife a salary, and oops, I don't have enough money to ship this uh, Street Fighter game, and so I need 180 extra, 180 extra dollars for you to get this. Or not. So, I don't know. Just a thing. I should do a YouTube series on that. I think that would work. I think that's how it would translate the best. So, I guess this kind of brings us down to uh, the end. The end of the show, I think. We made it. Yeah. I was fixing to say my co-hosts have already left. They didn't say anything. <laughs> they're, like, they're already gone. So, yeah. We just hand it over to you for the Kickstarter rant and call it a night. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah. It's, it is weird. But, yeah, you got me, damn. 180 bucks. That... That's messed up. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, I did see one. I, I don't think I ever put it uh, on this one, on uh, this thing. I figured it wasn't worth talking about. Where somebody was doing a role-playing game, and it was like they were just pr- putting out one book, just one RPG book. That's all it was. It was their new role-playing game. It would be like the Player's Guide or whatever. And they wanted $100,000. <laughs> and and it was like somebody that you had never heard of this is just like this is like Roy you know Roy's RPG Roy needs a hundred grand to put this thing out totally worth it (sighs) but yeah and now granted they were just asking I think like sixty dollars a book or something which is pretty normal but do you know how many books you have to sell for a hundred thousand hold on I can do the math 
Let's see, a hundred thousand dollars. I think it depends on how much you charge. If you charge a hundred thousand dollars a book, it's only one. That's true, but no, no, no it was just sixteen. <laughs> they would have to sell basically sixteen hundred books to get a hundred grand for that Kickstarter to even be successful. What I think would be really funny and would break people from backing stuff they shouldn't is if Kickstarter suddenly started doing like GoFundMe, where um, the company gets the money whether uh, the, it goes or not. So, oh, is that how GoFundMe works? Yeah, it does. It's yeah. like, okay, say if I'm raising like, you know, $100 for hosting costs or whatever, and I only get or 20 Getting open heart surgery? Yes. That's it. GoFundMe is typically for like kidneys and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, that's well. GoFundMe. Or someone's house, someone's house burns down, or something like that. Yeah. GoFundMe is basically the American health system. So, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, so all right. So I guess it's the end of the show. Sixty-nine that we've done. Uh, I'm disappointed there is not an official uh, Bill Burr uh, Star Wars figure, and I don't know why. I keep, I mean, come on, they got everybody. They got Carl Weathers now. You know who you talk to about that? Mike at Ultra Dementia. I bet he could uh, set you up with a. Bring me up? Yep. That would be cool. I work on that then. Alright, folks, so, uh, good night, yes? Yeah. I hope so. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>